You're listening to Creative Friction, a podcast for ambitious creatives and agency owners that are looking for honest insights on how to scale their business sustainably and profitably. Each episode, we dig into candid conversations about the most pressing topics in our industry and offer up insights and resources to inspire you to take action. From talking about the latest and greatest in AI to unpacking how our industry can better represent and reflect our modern world, we're here to guide you on agency growth, marketing strategies, and how to make a meaningful impact as a creative entrepreneur. Hello, and welcome back to Creative Friction, the podcast for creative entrepreneurs navigating the challenges of growing a business while staying true to their creative roots. Each episode is recorded live, so guests can join and ask questions that matter most to them and their business. I'm Madeline Reeves. And I'm Jeff Mead. And today we're here to talk about artificial intelligence, better known as AI, and how it might impact your creative business. Let's get into this. So I'll kick us off. I... Uh, we were just saying before we hit record, I am so excited to talk about this topic. Um, I've been nerding out about it over the past couple of weeks, knowing where we we're going to record this episode. And I know you have too. Do you want to kick us off by talking about why we thought this was such an important topic to talk about today? Absolutely. This this topic is 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 one of those things that you can see coming a mile away, right? Like everybody's talking about it. We've all been playing with with uh, GPT three. Uh, we've all been playing with Dolly two, and I think everybody's asking, well, how does this impact our business? And so, you know, looking at it, it you look at what AI can do, right? Uh, and it's it's all about content creation, right? Like it's we've seen it put together five hundred, six hundred word essays in like ten seconds, right? That that's scary if you're a content creator. Uh, you start wondering, you know, is is this thing going to put me out of business? But then not only just creating blog pieces or, or articles, the fact that it can create art and, you know, I'm not really sure where it's getting its content from. We know that it's been fed like tons and tons of content. So I don't know if it's just remixing. So it, it can do that. And then, you know, we've seen AI already with like email marketing automation. We've seen it with media buying. But I think what we're really seeing is the fact that it's just creeping into the marketing space more and more. And, and it's really like, how do you begin to live with this thing? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's funny. uh, And I think it was, I, you know, it had been something that I had been exposed to probably for the last year ish, give or take. And I think a lot of it is like you and I have curated algorithms based off of the work we do. Right. And so like I had started to get Mm -hmm. a lot of the like Instagram ads that were like, let this robot, you know, write your blogs for you and stuff like that. And like, I'm generally a skeptic and I, and my background is in technology. And so I had worked in the tech industry around AI and automation for about a decade. And I knew like that there was still a lot the robots couldn't do. But then I feel like the Mm -hmm. conversation exploded at the end of the year around, particularly on chat GPT. And there was like this episode on NPR I was listening to and they had, I think it was, I'm trying to remember where the professor was from, but they had a professor on who's like a professor in entrepreneurship. And he like had like the bot, like, 
write his class syllabus and write his first lesson <laughs> and write a uh, like a, pr- a a description for like a final project for his class. And he was like, I basically tried to see if this technology could like how much of my job could it do. And I think that we're now approaching where there's some AI tools that could take over a lot of our work. And I think if we're smart, we're thinking about you know what does that mean for us. It, it's funny. I, I kind of ran the same tests, you know, and we talked about it a little bit before the show, but it, it's, you know, I, I asked ChatGPT to, to write, you know, how would you describe how AI is impacting marketing agencies? And I think this is, this is compelling. It, it wrote back and said, AI has the potential to greatly impact marketing agencies by automating many tasks and allowing for more targeted and personalized marketing campaigns. And then after that, it goes on to bullet point. Uh, at least five ways that AI will impact marketing agencies. Right, wrote the episode uh, for us. Stuff. <laughs> it's awesome. It's awesome. So I, I think. So I think. Obviously, the other thing that 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 we're thinking about here too is if I'm getting ads, you know, that the robot can do the content writing. Our clients are probably going to start, you know, for myself as an agency owner, like our clients are going to start getting that same messaging um, that that you know that AI can do your marketing for us, and and so there's this mm-hmm. kind of question mark that that I could see on the horizon of like why have an agency, and I think that that kind of like self serve marketing is definitely something that we're going to have to be cognizant of of like how do we differentiate ourselves against technology that's like, you know, bringing the cost to serve down so significantly as well. Yeah. And I think not only are clients starting to get those ads, but they're going to start asking the questions, right? Like they're going to want to get their hands around it and start saying, how do we incorporate AI into this? And and I think we're going to have to have an answer. And so, you know, I wonder, have your clients started to say anything yet? Or are you getting ahead of it? So... I I have not had many inquiries yet, but I'm actually a big believer in being proactive about these things. So rather than my client coming to me and being like, what is all this AI marketing? I'm putting AI into our processes now. Um, and that's basically our primary project for Q1 for a couple different of my managers is to research different AI-based tools and figure out how are they going to pull that into their work processes. And in some cases, we're actually going to show clients how to use that. So a use case here is um, we do a lot of social media strategy. Uh, we do all of that inside of a tool called Notion. We use Notion for like all of our creative project management. And Notion now has a pretty solid AI piece inside of it that you can basically say, like, the command is like slash writer's block or slash help me write. And then you put in a prompt. And so we have inside of our social media calendars started using that and testing that to write social media captions. And if the client is an executor and is not responsible for, like if we're not the one doing the social media content writing for them, I'm going to start teaching clients how if they're feeling blocked or like they don't have enough time to like sit there and write all the captions, how they can use the AI to their advantage too. And 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 that to be clear, like there'll be moments where I show clients how to do these things. And there will be moments where I keep those, those hacks to myself. But I think that's one where we see clients struggle, especially if they're trying to do their own social media, like their personal brand, social media, where I'm like, work smarter, not harder, (laughs) you know? So yeah, that's where we're at with it. 
What about you? Are you seeing questions of any of the agencies you work with? No. And, and I mean, no, like the people are kind of taking a hands-off approach. Um, but like you said, I think the last couple of weeks, everybody is like, what, you know, what's going on, but no one yeah. is embracing it, uh, just yet. And, and I really, okay. that's why, you know, when we talked about, we should do this episode, I think, I think we got to get ahead of it. Uh, and I think as an industry, we have to get ahead of it because it's, it's really compelling what it can do. And, and if marketing agencies don't get a handle on it, we're going to have the tech firms come in and take the business that agencies were getting in the past. Yeah. Well, and I worry about that too, because, you know, one of the things that I, I was on an interview yesterday with, with Marketplace and, and they were asking me, you know, what are some of your, your thoughts or feelings or concerns for like, you know, your business and economics of it in 23. And I said, you know, one thing that I'm very aware of is the ways in which um, large companies who have cut headcount are trying to figure out how they can do more with less people. And so, you know, you think about all of the big, you know, Fortune 500s who slash a lot of people. And I, I, you know, at least according to my LinkedIn updates, it looks like they slashed a lot of marketers. <laughs> a lot of my friends in marketing lost their jobs. And that's terrible. But then they're going to be thinking about, you know, how do we solve this this problem with less, you know, human resources, quite literally. And um, sometimes that's, you know, in the past, it's been a win for us, right? Because agencies can come in and say, hey, you don't have the headcount anymore, or you can't afford to hire in this season, you know, for less than half the cost, let our team do it for you, mm -hmm. you know, is often, often our value prop there. Um, and we love doing that work. Like, I love finding like overworked marketing coordinators and being like, I am your number one ally, let my team do the execution and you just focus right. on strategy. But my worry is that people may not have the deference or the ability to differentiate that like this kind of technology, although it's come a long way, like robots are not strategists in my book. Like robots are not right. strategists. I, I think that the AI can do great content execution if you're very specific and you're using the right tools. But mm -hmm. this is what I'm thinking about a lot is that like what differentiates the work that my team and I do is we are strategists. And we've always said that. We always say we start with strategy. We want to be known as marketing strategists because let's be honest, like anybody on Fiverr, Upwork, all these sites can do design work for pennies on the dollar, especially if they're not in an American market. And so like we have to ensure that like nothing that we bring to the table can be compared with like, well, chat GPT can do that for me kind of thing. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Does that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes, that makes a ton of sense. I think, I think you're thinking about it the right way. And, and it's, it's the way I would love to see, to see more people think about it, right? Like you have to elevate the services you provide because the minute a client can come to you and say, we think chat GPT or Dolly two can do this. You know, if that makes you nervous, then then your business is sunk. I think the pushback is going to be, oh, we have a tool where we leverage these platforms to help you out or to speed something up. But, you know, we can't be afraid of the technology. Um, and then it's all about how we embrace it to, to get more work done for our clients. Um, you know, that's going to be the the next level is, is how do you start to incorporate some of this stuff, the, uh, the chat GPT, the, or and any of these other tools that are incorporating AI, how do you use it to deliver quicker for your clients um, and, and really speed stuff up, um, speed up your delivery to clients? 
Yeah. You know, that, that is the piece that excites me most. And I'm, I'm not, you know, trying to get on my own soapbox here, but I do think one of the things that brings me to the perspective differently is like, yes, I'm an agency owner, but like 50% of my heart is like a technologist. Like I love technology. And I think that there are some in our industry that like are so slow to adopt change. Like I know so many people who are still mad that like you have to buy Adobe from Creative Cloud now and that you can't use like the old desktop version. You know what I mean though? Like there are people who <laughs> right, like, right. I'm, I'm not going to name names, but maybe my mother who like loves using the old school desktop version of InDesign, right? Like there's people who don't want to innovate with new tech. And for me, uh, this, that's been my entire career has been, you know, how do I do my job better, faster, smarter using technology? You know, it was like, you know, when I worked at Intuit, we, you know, started using, you know, Microsoft Office Suite and Salesforce to automate some of our sales outreach. And then, you know, I got into to some global business development work and we started using Slack to enhance and streamline communication. So we were on email all day. And so for me, I just see this as like the next step. But I'll tell you. Right. So, so when this stuff started coming out, we shared it with our team and mm -hmm. I just, I let it sit, you know, so the team actually to, to their credit, my, uh, my director of, of, um, de design, she shared something and, um, and then I just watched the conversations amongst the team unfold. And I love moments like this. Cause I just like sit back and I'm like, okay, <laughs> let's see how they're going to feel about it. And there was a 50, 50 response. There was 50% like excited oh my gosh, what's the potential of the opportunity here? And 50% were scared. And the fear was definitely around copywriting because if you, like, I have a huge part of my soul and my identity that is being a writer. Um, and so if you see that as your craft, if you see that the, as the heart of what you you do, and you see that a robot can, like, do that in, like you said, under 10 seconds, that's really scary because especially if you're somebody who like makes an hourly wage off of that work, that's, mm -hmm. that's terrifying. Like that fear is real, you know, but then yeah. I go, okay, your highest level work is now not being a copywriter. It's a content strategist. Like the robot is not going to tell me like what, what, you know, I can only input so much. So for example, it's like, okay, I've got a client. She has a book launching in May. She's doing a five-part tour. We're going to build her a content strategy to go with that. Right. Right. But that copywriter right. shouldn't spend all their time writing the blog post for it. They should spend their time thinking with their brain and being like, okay, if we're going to be in San Francisco on this day and we're going to be in Chicago on this day, you know, this is the content that I should line up on these days to make sure we're hitting the right messaging for that market mm -hmm. kind of thing. What do you, what do you yeah. think? Like that fear versus like, how do you, how do you get people on board? Yeah. You know, it's interesting hearing you talk. It, what really came to my mind was just this whole strategy versus execution, right? Like yes. in, in terms of how to manage your agency and, and for, for many clients, they want to put you in the execution bucket, right? Mm -hmm. You're like, you know, we need this, or we need this, this, uh, five pieces of content or, or whatever it is. Right. But they, they have something they want you to execute. And then you say, all right, it's going to cost X number of dollars. And, and then that's when they beat you up on costs because you're in this execution world, but everybody wants to move to that next level of strategy. And, and 
it looks like the technology is forcing us to get there, right? Like we, if you don't get to that level of strategy and you stay in execution, you start to see that there's going to be tech that can easily do the execution a lot quicker than, than any of us could do it. I mean, the, the minute you start playing with that software, it gets, it gets really scary um, how fast it can and do stuff. Oh, yeah. I, te- I've, I keep finding little projects to play with it. Like I did my newsletter last week. And I always, I like, so far I've still been like, I'll do it myself. Like I'll, you know, because it's like <laughs> I like it, right? But like I like right. also like taking the prompt that I'm working with, seeing what the AI spits out. And then actually, and this is maybe a way we think about it is like, maybe it's not an all or, or nothing. Maybe it's like, how do we collaborate with the power of, of the AI to think about things that we hadn't thought about? So like I was writing a piece a couple weeks back on like the importance of like rest and restoration. And like, I put the prompt, like the, like a, a paragraph or so into chat GPT and it spun something out. And I was like, oh, it's not quite my tone and voice, but it gave me a couple new ideas that I hadn't had that I then incorporated into the writing I was doing. And for example, like I see a lot of that potential and we've already started to integrate that potential with SEO tools. There's a lot of great automation and AI in the SEO space that like it doesn't necessarily do the full job for you, but it can kick you off in a strategy direction where it's like, you know, two to three years ago, my team would have had to like sit and do manual research to do that work as opposed to like, I have three tools, 50% of which are free that I can go out and use right now and get like 72 content ideas from SEO based keywords, you know, in a minute, you know, just by prompting things. And then suddenly it's that much easier to go build the copy or the content strategy. Right. That's interesting that you bring that up. I think it is, I think different agencies are going to have to figure out where they fall on this, this usage scale, right? Am I going to go all in and and let the AI do most of the work? Or am I just going to kind of do what you said and have it give me titles of blog posts or give me prompts, right? Or I don't want to stare at a blank page, so I'll give it a prompt so it can at least start me up and then I'll get going. You know, where do you fall there? Yeah. Yeah. I, okay. So let's, (laughs) let's play out these, these scenarios, right? Cause I want to, cause I think, I think it's important for people to think about like, we're such binary thinkers, right? And so people think about like the all or nothing, right? Like you go all in or you, Mm -hmm. you, you know, resist, resist, resist until the change is forced. Or there's like, now we're thinking about like, wait, maybe there's a middle ground. Um, so let's talk pros and cons of the all AI agency. Let's imagine one year in the future. Actually, I'm starting to get DMs for these agencies. Are you getting DMs for these agencies yet? Oh, the all AI agency. Wow. <laughs> it was so funny. So we were, I got one this week. Like wow. two days ago. Yeah. Wow. And, and what, were, what was their pitch? So the pitch was, it was, it was, they were a firm that claimed to specialize in top of funnel marketing for agencies, which I was like, this is either brilliant or really dumb and I haven't decided because a lot of agencies, our marketing is, it's it's like the cobbler's kids have no shoes situation, right? And so a lot of agencies, and especially if you're really good, you don't have to do a ton of top and funnel because your business is so referral based that like you're not doing a lot of like lead gen type stuff. So it was a email pitch from an agency that specialized 
in um, using AI to do all of the top of funnel prospecting, and they were going to build all of the campaigns all via AI based off of keyword queries about our ideal audience. They sent me the email like direct to my inbox. They must have scraped it off of LinkedIn, um, and they uh, they did a like little kind of pitch in in the text and then there was a video and in his little video he like even had like indicated like this is going to be done by chat gpt this is going to be done and and pointed to all the ai they were going to use and like the funny thing i've gotten three or four of these in the last month and they're all just like some dude in a basement. Like if I go to their website and I like do some, because I'm a woman, right? Like I'm like, I'm going to stalk you on the internet. Who the heck are you? Why do you have my email address? And it's like all some boy who like spun up a website yesterday and is like living at his mom's being like, I'm going to be an AI master. So I'm like not pro that vibe, but that's what I think an AI agency looks like because it's like some dude in his mom's basement. But feel free to counter me if you don't agree. I think the funny part of that is I actually did a keyword search just to see what was out there. And it's yeah. amazing how many how many agencies are labeling themselves AI marketing agencies. Uh, but to your point, you know, you dig a little deeper and you realize there's nothing here, right? There's because no one has experience yet. You know, outside of the agencies I know who do media buying, right? And so yeah. they use AI to help with media buying, uh, any of that predictive stuff. But outside of that, no one is touching AI. Yeah. Uh, for the most part, you know, uh, you know, outside of buying media. Um, yeah. And so it there there's no experience there. What about do you see it all? We saw it a little bit last year, like actually when it started to come on my radar and really interest me. So like last year, like I said, we got more into AI for SEO, which is super powerful. And if it's not a part of your toolkit, like maybe we just do an episode on that or at the end I'll t- I'll talk about some of the tools I use there because super powerful I can do really high quality SEO with like half of a team member basically and love the automation we've done there. It's enough to be dangerous. Like we don't claim that we specialize in it, but like everything we build, every piece of copy we build goes through SEO automation. Um, And that's really important this year because of all the changes in Google's new algorithm updates and things like that. So people, if, if you haven't looked at what Google did to change the way they're, they're doing some of their SEO stuff, it's a big deal right now. Um, But what I was going to say was, uh, not last year, but the year before. So what's that? 2021, we were starting to see AI pop up more with social media because a lot of people were claiming, oh, we've got these social listening tools that we can tune around your audience. And then, like you were saying, kind of predictively, it wasn't so much for media buying, but predictively tell you, oh, if you really want to grow your following or your presence on Twitter, or you want to really engage people on Instagram, you know, these are the things that you should think about or, or share about. And then on top of that, that I would also say in 2021 and 2020 was where we start, started to see a lot more of the um, AI like uh, follower buying tools crop up too. So like for social uh-huh. media, we saw a lot of people just like go ham the past couple of years, like buying fake followers on the internet. And all of those are bot based tools as well. It's like you input like follow these three hashtags, find people, and then, you know, follow, unfollow, follow, unfollow. It's very easy code to write, yeah. but it's a stupid thing to do to your social media. <laughs> yeah. And, and then what is it worth, right? Mm-hmm. You have all these fake followers and then, and then what? You know, unless those followers are actually buying something from you, at least from an agency perspective, right? Like yeah. those followers aren't going to buy anything from you. So it's just, 
it's all for show and doesn't yeah. help you out at all. Yeah. And then your engagement rate tanks too right, as the result right. of it. Yeah. So what about, okay. So, so, um, let's talk about your thoughts in terms of AI marketing as, you know, as a paradigm, let's say this agency is not some dude in the basement. He's, you know, you're an agency that that's being coached by Jeff, you know, what are you going to step in and say, these are the ways I think you should integrate AI into your, your, the way you offer marketing services. Yeah. I, I like that setup too. And I think it's really first. It's what are they? What's that agency good at in the first place, right? Because anybody I work with, I'm always going to figure out. You know, the first thing is people want to grow their business, and and growing the business is usually how do we get this top line growth? How do we get this revenue jumped up? And and my first thing is always let me look at those costs, makes and see what we can shed there. And I think the easiest thing is. If you start to have this, if I can figure out what you do, what you're really good at, um, then we can start looking at different AI-based technology out there and seeing how we can integrate that into your workflow, right? And that can speed stuff up. Uh, I can definitely help your people out to accomplish their work. Because uh, lots of times, you know, I'll go into a company and people will say, oh, we're slammed because we have to do X, Y, and Z. We got all this work with this client and this client. And so you can come in there and start figuring out how can AI really help this person out? Because to your point, if I have a copywriter who's been spending 30 hours a week developing content and all of a sudden they can half that with some prompts from ChatGPT, you know, then they've gotten some time back and then they can work on higher value work for you. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think it's first about figuring out what you are good at, where is your expertise Right. And then and then looking at the landscape of of tech out there and seeing, all right, what can we at least experiment with at first to see if it works for us? Uh, that that would be my first approach here, folks. I, I would say, you know, probably crawl with the technology. You know, I always look at it as a when you embrace technology, there's a crawl, walk, run. And so let's let's crawl first and see. Let's see if we even like it. Right. Uh, if it even works for us, if, if the team likes it. So that would be my first approach. I like that because there, uh, this is like, you know, and this is going to, I'm going to go down a rabbit hole, but please come with me. <laughs> so, 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 so there is a, there's always blind spots in, in machine learning. And because ultimately like what people forget about this technology, because it's like, it's AI, it's the cloud. Like if you're it, architecturally, one of the important things to understand is even if you develop a bot or a piece of machine learning, ultimately a human decided what the input data was that informed the education of that bot. And the, the, the machine learning and the processing capabilities of this technology has gotten really good, but ultimately a person decides what goes in. And so that means inevitably there's going to be blind spots. And over time, the thought process is, you know, more and more people contribute to the engine, more and more content will be made. We'll just continue to get better and better. But for example, it, a really real one in the marketing space is a lot of the, um, the I'm seeing this in a lot of the digital imagery based tools is they're super racist. <laughs> like a lot of these tools mm -hmm. have only been fed um, imagery of, of white folks basically. And so like there was this whole sub narrative over December where like everybody was doing those like avatar characters from like that machine learning tool, which was uh -huh. also like a piece of facial recognition software. So like questionable on who we were all giving our data to, but it was like too fun and tempting not to do. I was like, I want to be a video game character too. But then all of these creators of color that I follow 
were like, why is this tool trying to make me white? And they were showcasing all of these avatars that were created that had lightened their skin. A ton of the imagery, if you were a woman, had put these like big old boobies on you, like made you just like a, a busty wow. vixen. Because I'm like, yeah, right, if, right. if white programmer bros sitting in a basement are the ones building these tools, like they're going to make <laughs> us all look like their favorite girl from a video game. And like... And so, so there's limitations there. So if you think about that from a design paradigm, like you and I both work with a lot of agencies that value diversity, there may be a limitation inside of the AI in the design space that, that, that is, is going to only pump out design content that doesn't think about things like cultural nuance or diversity or equity inclusion, things like that. Right, right. Same with the copywriting. Like it might have a ton of information on like super like generic industry. But for me, I have clients that are like really nuanced, like One of my favorite clients right now is like a former MD who is now building a business around helping people through ketamine and psilocybin-based therapies and doing holistic, um, you know, medical treatment that includes that. She's so cutting edge in her field that like the amount of content out there about that topic is like pretty Uh, slim. So the likelihood of like AI being able to write better than my team in her tone and voice and things like that, I'm like, "Uh uh-uh, the software is not there yet. And so I think for some agencies, I'm like, yeah, I could probably get you to write blog content for an HVAC company, no problem. But like, I also think that those blind spots is something that us marketers have to be really aware of too, of like, you know, and that's why I love this notion of like crawl before you walk, before you run is like, you need to test it out and see where it's going to work and where it's not going to work. Yeah. I, I love this rabbit hole you're going down to, um, you know, just thinking about the, the blind spots that the, the technology does have. I think the blind spots present a really good opportunity too, right? Because the minute the technology blurts out something or creates something, it's up to the agency to say, hey, look, we're going to put our creative lens on this. This is not going to work for your customer. It was a good start. We're going to use this as input. It's going to be one of the pieces on our board as we start to develop creative, but this is not the finished product, right? It's just another source of getting ideas for the company. So the blind spots do create a good opportunity. Um, for agencies. But but the other part to that is it kind of sucks. It, it kind of sucks that, you know, if you are looking for, you know, if you are a person of color and you are making those avatars, that sucks, right? That The feeling of, wait a minute, this is not what my character should be looking yeah. like. I don't want my character yeah. to look like that, right? Um, um, they're, they're, the blind spots really can hurt people in many ways so we still have to realize that as powerful as the tech can be um, you're still going to need that person that can filter out and say this this doesn't work or this is going to offend your audience right and and especially for agencies that have really big clients if you have a fortune 500 client they're going to want to look at ai but they have too much to lose to go all in Mm -hmm. right totally to your to your point the hvac guys are the ones that can really start putting out content you know every day using this but a fortune 500 company no yeah. if they put out something offensive yeah they need they need a human they filter have too much to lose they need a human filter <laughs> and the, the other thing i'll say there which i think is is really pertinent as well is um 
you know, not only do we have to be kind of that filter for the clients, but also I think that we as an industry, especially if we are going to take these tools and really run on them, need to push back on the tech creators themselves. Like this is one of the things that I think that business owners forget is especially if as a tool is free, one, you're the product. <laughs> so like a chat GPT, like we're all beta testers that are basically helping them build that product right now. Right. And so that's why it's free right now is because we are putting in the data. And so we have an opportunity, right? We as marketers can put in great diverse content and press for those, those machine learning, you know, capabilities to, to be inclusive to all. And if we don't see that show up in the tech, we don't have to buy those products or we can go back to those companies and say, your stuff is crap. It's not representative. And unfortunately, the tech industry is still so cis white male. Like there's still so few developers of color that like, I do think there's going to have to be a lot of pressure put on the creators of this technology to ensure a level of inclusion that actually makes these tools make sense for, right. for all people. No, I I like that. You know, I don't want to take us down another rat, rabbit hole, but, you know, it's interesting when I think about chat GPT as a language learning mm. model, right? Google has its own language learning model, but it hasn't released it to the public for all of the reasons we just talked about, because it's not inclusive. It can be really offensive. And if you're Google and you release something like that to the public, there's going to be a lot of people coming after you. Uh, but open AI as a startup, they can use us as beta testers to start to figure it yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. So this brings us to the next question I wanted to ask you, which is about the content marketing side of the equation. So say I am either an agency, let's, let's do the scenario of I'm the agency serving the business that we do think, you know, this, this could help us solve for executing content better, smarter, faster for. What do you think that kind of that that path of starting to walk with this tool and integrate it into your content marketing, you know, processes or strategies looks like for the average agency owner. Yeah, I think if if that's the client base, I, I think you have to adopt this technology, uh, if anything, just to really help out your creatives, right? Like any tool that can help them work uh, smarter or, or faster, better. I think you have to embrace it sooner than later. Right. And, and really figure out how you can deliver information to them, information to your client, deliver a better product to your client. Uh, and so you have to be playing with this and testing it out and really letting your client know that you're testing it out. Uh, but, you know, I, I think the next logical question would be, does pricing change for a client as a result of you using this technology? And I know I know you you talked a bit about that. Yeah. So. I've got thoughts and I'd feelings. Your opinion yeah. On that. Yeah. So, so here are my <laughs> thoughts and feelings. And I, I really resonate with everything you shared on this because one, it feel, makes me feel a little good because this is how I'm approaching with it. So my, my rule inside of my agency is your team, your tools. So what's that? That means is I put an imperative down for my managers starting. I let them know it was coming in December and in January, it was like first project Q1 go research all the AI that you think could help your team work smarter, not harder, and come back to me in a couple of weeks, present the tools that you think you want, especially if there's something that's going to cost us something. And then let's look at how we integrate that into our processes. So one of the big things I'm really big on is we don't 
we don't um we we define the process first so we already have a lot of sops in place mm -hmm. and then we align tech we don't pick fun shiny objects this is like i used to do that and it's like a nightmare to run your practice mm -hmm. in that way and so i'm like go to find the process right. and then now that they have the process they can go pick tools and say oh you know this seo tool makes it easier for us to do copywriting or or you know chat gpt we want to you know they're testing chat B gpt versus notion ai to figure out you know which one's better for blog writing and social media captions etc cetera, etc cetera. um so they're testing and then coming back to me and then we'll start walking with those tools inside of the processes we already have created but when it comes to the client conversation, there's layers here for me. So I think that it really isn't my client's business how the sausage is made. <laughs> like with the exception of mm -hmm. if they're going to be collaborating in that tool with me. So the example I gave earlier about if we're going to only do social media strategy and the client might struggle to write their own captions for social media, I'm going to be like, here's my hack. Go use use AI for that. Um, but right. what I think is really important, and this kind of harkens back to our last episode where we were like, I don't need to like distill myself down to an hourly rate. I also don't need to distill myself down to the tools I use because like, again, like back to that notion we had of like the plumber's invoice or the dentist experience, like I don't go into the dentist and like be like, use that drill, not this one. Cause it's cheaper. Like it's not my client's business of how and when and where I use AI unless I need their collaboration. And ultimately it's my team's expertise, the quality of our work product, our processes, you know, those and my desired margins that defines the value of our work. So AI or not, I'm like, my price stays the same. And in fact, I'll, I'll be honest as somebody who's working actively to raise my pricing right now, my price is higher if I'm using AI, and here's why. I have the expertise to run the robot. You didn't spend 10 to 15 years working in technology and know how to use these t tools smarter or not. The fact that I'm smart enough to integrate that into my processes so that we can do more for you means that now I have time on my hands. And what are we going to do with that time? We're going to spend more time on your strategy, which means that you're getting our most valuable hours possible. You know, like our most valuable hours are strategy hours. And so the more strategy I give you, the more you have to pay for it, in my opinion. But counter me if you think I'm wrong. That's like music <laughs> to my ears. No, no, it's, it's, it's funny. The, uh, I actually have a post coming out on Thursday and you, you just highlighted, you gave a quick summary. It's all about the, why you should be investing your hours in strategy. Um, so <laughs> you're, you're thinking the exact same way oh. I'm thinking. Um, you know, your thoughts, hearing you speak, I, I wonder if there's also this world, and you kind of put yeah. me on a tangent. Go for it. No, I'll go for it. back to it. But <laughs> you, the, it feels like in, in many ways, you know, there's always, what I see with a lot of agencies is they, they built up a lot of expertise in something. And, and then they have clients who come around and say, hey, we just, we want to understand how to do this so we can do it ourselves. Right. And so for a lot of people, that's tough because you're saying, I don't want to train you for you to like get rid of me. Um, but but there are some clients who essentially just want an agency in-house, right? Like the concept of in-housing. And so, you know, when I was hearing you talk, I, I wonder if if there isn't a business model of sorts where 
you just start to get clients prepped on the yep. technology, right? Like when you said you had 15, hour, 15 years in tech, your clients aren't going to have that. But if they really want to know how to use these tools, I, I wonder if there isn't a service that could be bolted on to agencies where you're saying, hey, we'll get your team up to speed in the tools that you're going to need because based on your, based on your needs, Maybe you don't need the strategy, right? Maybe we built out your strategy for you, so you're just in execution mode. So what we'll do is we'll train your team on the AI, and that's a completely different service. I, I, I love that. I, so you're, you're thinking where I'm thinking. I've been hesitating and hovering around this thing for the past couple months, which is something really similar to that sort of service line. And it's because I realized a big differentiator that my team has is not only do we know how to run the tools, but we know how to implement them. So we do a lot of projects where we come in and we look at clients uh, like we're, we're doing a brand refresh or a website overhaul. And there's a lot of tech that people have when they built those brands in like 2015 to 2017 that is like useless in my mind at this point. You know, they're, I'm going to, I'm going right. to talk smack right now, but uh, they're still on MailChimp, you know, they're like, they built their website <laughs> on Wix, you know, they've got Kanjabi on the back end, like these tools that just like make, you know, Dubsado is all the rage for them still. Like it's tools that make me cringe and quite frankly are not what they need now. Even if it was the right tool at the right time, their business has grown and scaled mm -hmm. and now they need a new tool. And so we often come in as software consultants, really, we're not charging clients for that. But I come in and I go, no, 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 you know, this is why we're going to build your site on Shopify or Squarespace. This is why, you know, depending on your business type, we're going to put you on, you know, Active Campaign, Clavio, or HubSpot. You know, this is why we're going to go ahead and, you know, tie your back into to Circle or Mighty Networks or these other community platforms that are preferential. And here's why. Um, or, you know, actually, Squarespace has a community functionality and we can cut your cost in half by just building that stuff out inside of that functionality. Like, so we do a lot of this, it's, it's kind of operations infrastructure and we've hesitated to do tech implementation for our clients. Cause it's like, well, technically we're not, but I'm like, we're already here. We're already in the back end. It's all not custom development. We already know how to do it. Let's just go get that bag. Like, let's just right. get paid to do that work. We already know how to do and set ourselves up as these technologists because oftentimes what we find, like we've got an engagement right now where we set the client up in HubSpot. So we did their HubSpot build out. We built out all their initial mm -hmm. nurture campaigns. We, based off of assessing their marketing, identified the types of hires they needed to make, make in-house. And now the last step in that current scope is to train their new marketing coordinator on how to do some basic things in HubSpot. But ultimately, I think it will lead us to be able to say, hey, she's really good at social media. Let's us go ahead and keep running all your email marketing for you. And while we're at it, now that we have HubSpot, we need to build it into your website, which, we, you know, and so that it actually, like, it actually right. can unlock more work for us because when we set up a lot of those systems, it turns into retainer work that the client might not want to do or might not have a, a team member who wants to do. And so then it's like, we built you, we built you the system. Now let us run it for you. Yeah. I, I think what's really great about what you just said is I think you've given a lot of people ideas about how to like create a whole new service for their agency. Right. Because the, you know, the more time we invest in understanding this, that's time our clients haven't invested. And and if we're going to help them connect with their customer through this technology, there are ways that we can make money selling that knowledge. And, and that, that's one of them. I think, I think it's a great idea. I 
So what like about, it. what are other, you, you said before we hit record that you, you and all your buddies were like geeking out about this over the holiday. What, since we're talking about like new service line and stuff, what are some other, and, and we can come up with some really bad ones, I'm sure, but new business models that you think could, <laughs> we could, we could spin up with AI. Um, I, I'm very curious. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't want to go too into the weeds, but one that I that I that we were talking about, and and I've been thinking about more just the last couple of days, uh, just just um, talking with clients, but not talking about AI is, you know, there's a lot of people who respond to RFPs, and 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 we've talked about our love hate relationship with RFPs, uh, but what I think is interesting when you think about Chat GPT and what it is, right? We've essentially fed it all this knowledge, and it just kind of predicts what it thinks we want to hear. And so that's essentially what an RFP yeah. response is, right? Like you, you feed it a bunch of information, you feed it a bunch of information about your agency, if that's possible. And I'm sure there's something you can bolt onto it. And so, but if you were able to put in all of your past RFPs and all of your marketing proposals somehow, and then you just give it these prompts, you know, RFPs are just a bunch of prompts, and then it could literally spit back out the answer to some of these questions, but using your language. Uh, I think that would be phenomenal as a, as a tool. And, you know, I'll let somebody run with that idea because I, yeah. I don't know how to get it started. But I, it could be really game-changing for, for marketing agencies because, it, you know, RFPs are just, it's just, you know, you, you fill it out and people say, all right, so they did that. And if we like the way they answered it, then we'll invite them in for a proposal. The hard part is just doing it, right? It's so much work and it, it's such a time suck. You essentially have to say, we're going to lose 60 to 80 hours on this. Are we willing to do that? And, and that's a tough call for a lot I of lo- people. I love that idea. I'm going to riff off of that. So we, um, there's a lot of, you know, we work with a lot of like underrepresented founders and, um, and there's a lot that I think that these tools could do around grant writing. Um, I, I, I know a few agencies that work with the nonprofit sector and they've been sharp enough to add on a service line for grant writing because they've got really talented copywriters on their team and maybe because they were doing the brand strategy work. And so they're smart enough to say, look, you know, you might not have the funds right now to pay our full fees for our services, but we're comms experts. So let us go ahead and write grants for you to get you the funding you need to pay our agency Mm. to do the work. And so I think that's a brilliant strategy if you love working with nonprofits. Um, but then I'm like, okay, take it a step further. How could you use these, these copywriting based AI tools to do that grant writing for you, uh, so that you can secure funding. And and I think it's another one of those things that like grant writing is something that every, but every organization should look into because there's, especially for underrepresented founders, there's so many amazing potential business grants out there. But it's like, mm-hmm. it's a lot of times that coulda, woulda, shoulda, because it's the 10 to 20 hours plus of copywriting, you know, to, to, to throw it out there and hope, you know, and especially if you don't feel confident in your copywriting abilities, right. you know, that's, you know, could be really wasted energy. And so to me, I'm like, ooh, like grant writing business could be really easy for somebody to spin up. And especially if you're like a yeah. solo copywriter who like loves grant writing, like I'm like... Uh, there's a stay-at-home right. mom out there who could like really do like insane grant writing at volume using like a chat GPT where she's just like editing. Right. Like right. I'm like, go get that business. That's that's there's some money to be made yeah. there. Like especially if you took like a percentage, like especially if you were like, oh, my fee is like a flat, like 2.5% of the oh, grant my value. Yeah. 
Think about all of that. Oh, my Ugh. goodness. <laughs> yeah. Those are one of those ideas I hope somebody runs with, and then they contact you and say, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, thank you for the inspiration. Yes, I know. I'm like, we'll have you on the podcast. We'll have you on. We'll, we'll have you on a guest. What about, you wrote this one, AI as a service. Tell me about what you were thinking there. Yeah, it, it, it kind of, the, the thread is a lot of what we were saying, you know, really using the technology and saying, you know, because chat, GPT, Dolly 2, all these things are free. Um, but at some point, um, OpenAI is going to say, all right, we have about enough information where we can start charging for this, right? There's going to be a time where it charges. But, you know, they'll, it'll, they'll have the ability for other software to tap into it, right? And so, you know, what software can you build on top of it that you could do as a service? And, and you, you kind of answered it before we got there, right? Grant writing as a service, right? It could be RFPs as a service. And so leveraging the AI, you know, to, to bill out, it could even be, to your point, you know, percentage of money made or uh, subscription, but really leveraging the AI uh, the same way we do software as a service, I'm thinking AI as a service. It, it, it could be, I think, the creativity that people can bring to it, right? If you're, if you're an agency that specializes in nonprofits, this seems like it would be a really interesting way to add more value to your clients. Because to your point, if I'm, if I'm a founder and I can't spend 20 plus hours on this grant, but I do... I do want the grant, I, you know, it would really benefit me, but I'm willing to spend two hours, then I could hire an agency that can really shorten that timeline. And uh, I think AI as a service is just, it's a, it's a different way to think about it, but it, it could be interesting. It could be fun for a lot of agencies to brainstorm, you know, really looking at your specialty, your expertise, and then saying, what technology out there can, can allow me to maybe build a subscription model or something like that that's, you know, just really thinking outside the box. I love I love this idea, and also if you already have the dev staff, like if you already have developers on your team, that like this work, you know, I might create less work for them, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if they're not, you know, working on a whole lot of custom coding right now, like test your devs to build whatever that front end ingestion vehicle is for the data needed to build, you know, your bolt on or your custom tool, and like this is so exciting for me too, because we, and we do a lot of consulting with, you know, machine learning and AI based tech companies as well. I've got like three in my pipeline right now. And, and, you know, one of the questions I always ask those companies is like, how strong is your engine? And what I'm really asking you is like, how strong is the machine learning underneath the hood here? And how resilient is it? How, what is its load capacity? How, you know, could it skyrocket and add 20 million users tomorrow and be fine? Or do you have like a weak engine under the hood? Mm -hmm. And what is really exciting about this to me is that for years in the online space, people have basically had to primarily build their engines in, in silos. So everybody's over here building their own machine learning. And right. yeah, we're borrowing bits and pieces from open source stuff, mm-hmm. but a lot of people are building on their own. But now if people start building off of OpenAI's engine, that engine will get that much stronger, better, faster, smarter, allegedly. Right, right. And then we'll have this whole ecosystem of add-on products as well. And so, like, I think that that's really interesting of, like, you know, where creatives can shine is coming in and being like, oh, what are the problems we could solve, you know, by bringing technology and development talent together 
to look at these really niche areas in industry where people are really making, you know, man, really doing these manual tasks that don't have to be manual right, anymore. Right. And so it, the nerd in me is like, this reminds me of like this window when my, you know, tech career take off, took off between, you know, 2010 and 2015, which was the gold rush at that time was to just be the first to the cloud. Mm, right. And so there right. were so many software products that were like, I'm just not desktop, but like <laughs> I'm on the internet. And like, and, and you could go in any direction. Like I think about software companies that were like, they were the first, you know, um, quoting and, and time tracking software for contractors using QuickBooks Online. Like, and that was a whole business model to be had in that sub niche. But now we've hit a market cap there where it's like people have either reached all the customers who are interested in like doing that work online, or there's literally like, like the industries are only so big. And now there's multiple products in the market that are all cloud-based, and so they're competing right, with each right. other. But now I see us having this second wave, which is a lot more nuanced. And what will happen, this is my prediction because it's what happened in that space over time, was people built a lot of products that were actually really features. Like they were like, we do time tracking. Right. And it's like, great. That's actually a feature of a much larger software, right? Because right? like, I need to like do reporting and I need to do invoicing and I need to do all these other things with that data. So I think my prediction is we'll see a lot of people like the initial gold rush will be people running off to solve for these little kind of like feature level problems. But then we'll have this second wave where people are smarter and are like, okay, if I was to bundle up all these individual problems that are in this industry, nonprofits, let's say, and to build a product that now incorporates all those those features and makes them functions of a larger software. So I think we'll see this kind of like people will run off, start building off little pieces off of OpenAI, and then over time those pieces might merge together, or people might buy each other out, or mm -hmm. copycat each other, and build a lot of new cool cloud products. What What do you think? What do you think the gold yeah, rush will look like? I like, like? that. I, I like that a lot. I like the thought of people just kind of figuring out what are, what are the problems that we have to solve, right? Just these little features. And once you solve that, to your point, then you make yourself open for potential potentially being purchased, which is, you know, that's like everyone's dream, right? Um, but but I agree. I I, th I think that's a great way to look at it. There is going to be this gold rush, and and the way I look at it is is really just what can we bolt on to open AI right now, right? And and then make it really niche, right? And, and if we play out the, I'm in a nonprofit world or you know, I'm in some other industry, then you know that industry really well. What are the problems that need to be solved? And, and you know, you could look internally and say, what are my pain points? And, and truly, can this tech help me solve some of those pain points? And, and for many of us, it's time. Time is the, time is the toughest. We spend so much time doing, doing stuff we wish, we wish we didn't have to. You know, we, we try to bring on people to, to get some time back. But if the tech can really help us with time, um, we got to embrace it and we got to embrace it in a way where we can build a business model around it. I, I think that the key takeaway I would say is as much as you're playing with the tech is really figuring out how does this help my clients, you know, serve their customers even better, right? If you can look at it through that lens, then, then you can figure out some way to, uh, make it into a business model, uh, make it more profitable for your business. But but really think about how we can serve your client better. Yeah, I'll I'll add a couple others on there. One is um, 
how does this allow my team to work smarter, not harder? I said that a lot today, but mm-hmm. um, my challenge for myself is actually to hire as few people as possible this year. We grew our team really fast. And as you know, you know, that's the biggest cost to my agency is humans, you know, and not right. just humans, but humans and paying their health benefits and their 401k match and all the things that I try to, you know, provide really good care for my team. But Mm -hmm. I actually have a lot of really great humans who are growing in their strategy abilities. So my goal is to see how far can I push the use of AI this year to keep my, my human costs down. And, you know, maybe my software costs will increase a little bit, but right now we're only predicting like an increase of like 200 to $250 a month. So what that might mean for my margins is tremendous. So that's really something I'm focusing on. And I think that other agencies should focus on too, is before you hire another human, say like, is there a team member who's smart enough to manage a robot doing that? Um, you know, and look at how that affects your margins on projects. You know, how does that bring your, your, you know, your costs down? And the other one I wanted to share, and I'm going to story tell just a tiny bit here, but, um, is how can you, this is what I'm taking away from our conversation is how can I build some of my own custom tech inside of my agency? I had the, the fortunate privilege to, to work for a tech firm for a number of years and the way that the founders of that company had the seed money to to build the business, which just sold for millions and millions of dollars, by the way. It's a really powerful reporting platform that I still use in my business today. I've shown it to you, Jeff. I won't name names, but yep, I've shown yep, it to you. It's yep, that one I, yep. I do all my reporting on. And they um, the way they got their seed money for the company is they were employees at an accounting firm that got tired of building reports in Excel. And so they started to build some baseline coding to automate that reporting. And when the founder of the accounting firm retired, he sold the firm and he was able to sell it for so much more because of the tech that they built, that he was a kind person who gifted them that money. And that was how they could afford and how they got the idea and the ability to afford to start their company and build out this reporting product that made them millions of dollars. So I'm like, agency owners, think about if you aspire to sell one day, if you have custom tech that a bigger agency could then acquire as part of buying you in the future, there's a lot of value to be had by just, you know, having either an in-house dev or hiring an outsourced dev to build that little piece of custom tech that could solve for some of these things we've talked about today. I love that. I love that a lot. It, it makes it, you know, when I work with folks, I always ask them, you know, I'll ask the owner, I'll ask the employees, what makes your agency unique? And, and I can guarantee you, if you had custom tech, that would be one of the first things people would say, you know, they would say we're a strategic, but we have this tech that no one else has. Uh, I like that one a lot. Mm-hmm. Secret sauce. Okay. Any other takeaways? You've got a, a couple more here. Give, give me the final takeaways we want to give our listeners this week. Right. I, you know, I, I think that the big one uh, for me that we, that I'll just reiterate is really that, you know, the tools are coming and, and don't see the tools as replacing your agency. Uh, don't see it as replacing your creatives or any of your people. I think it just helps you get your job done easier, um, whether it's faster, uh, whether it, you know, gives you more thoughts to think about if you're writing copy, if you're developing creative, but it, it doesn't replace creatives. Uh, it, I think in many ways, it's going to make the creative process a lot more efficient. Uh, so, so that's a big one. And, and then one we said a lot earlier in the podcast was really just pursue a crawl, walk, run approach with this tech. 
you know, just start start playing with it first. Uh, get comfortable with it before you start showcasing it to your client or even leveraging it with your client work, you know. And, and once you get comfortable with it, then you can start, you know, testing it out with the client and, and really go into those next levels where it's, you know, do I want to build a business on top of this tech? Uh, do I want to go that in-housing route where I'm teaching my client how to use this tech for their benefits? So I think those are the key takeaways. I, I'd love people, you know, if they don't catch anything else, that, that'd be the two that I want them to really think about. Uh, what I about you? That. I love I, that. I just want to echo those. And then I would say my other kind of action item is to like, Start playing with some tools. So obviously, we mentioned a couple today. We mentioned ChatGPT. Um, we mentioned Notion AI. What else did we mention? I'm trying mm-hmm. to think of of a roundup uh, of Dolly Two. Dolly Two. Um, I'll I'll share a couple that that I am actively using as well. So yeah, I mentioned Notion. We also use in the SEO space. We use a tool called SEO Surfer. That's got some really nice SEO automation inside of it. That's a paid tool. It's a little. It's not crazy expensive, but it's not cheap either. And then um, one of my favorite hacks that's totally free is SEO Ruler. Um, that's a really easy little way to start building content strategy versus using some automated techniques around. SEO, um, especially things like like Google search query um, type stuff, and 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 what do people ask Google to design design content strategy? I use that one a lot in my own content mm. work. Um, check that out. So. Yeah. So, so my, my other thing I'll say to the audience is talk to us, tell us, tell us, I'd love to hear from y'all. What are you using? What are you testing? What are you scared of out there? You know, what are, where's your pushback? Like one that we didn't get to today, but I know there's pushback is for a lot of designers. There's a lot of ethics issues around the, um, the ways in which artists work has been stolen to inform some of that AI uh, engines. And so there's a lot of artists that feel really conflicted around some of the design engines. So I think that this is just the start of an ongoing conversation that we'll probably keep coming back to in different ways over this season. And um, if there's topics that you feel like we should be talking about or, or experiences you're having, you know, reach out to us, you know, via social or, you know, via, via your favorite podcast platform, give us some feedback so we can continue um, this conversation. Great. I think that's a wrap. Okay. We'll see y'all next time. Thank you so much for spending some time with us here on today's episode. We'll come out with another one in a couple of weeks and can't wait to share that with you. You just listened to Creative Friction. Please leave us a rate and review if you enjoyed the show. And if you want to learn more about Fearless Foundry or The Meat Company, go to our website at creativefriction.com. All audio and video recordings are owned by Madeline Reeves and Jeff Mead and are recorded live every other Friday on LinkedIn and released once a month. Creative Friction is produced by Fina Valenzuela of Fearless Foundry. Music is by Premium Beats.